I'm Emily Ellis, Reference Librarian at Knox County Public Library. Welcome to Brown Bag Green Book, a program series featuring discussions of books about sustainability, brought to you by Knox County Public Library and the City of Knoxville. In this, our third program, Chris Woodhull talks about the green collar economy, how one solution can fix our two biggest problems, by Van Jones. This program took place on May 13, 2009. Chris Woodhull is currently serving his second term as Knoxville City Councilman at large. Councilman Woodhull is the Executive Director of Tribe One, an inner-city Christian ministry that encourages at-risk youth to walk away from gangs and destructive lifestyles and lead productive lives. He co-founded Tribe One with the late Danny Mayfield, who was also a Knoxville City Councilman. Councilman Woodhull is a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Asheville. He has completed classes in negotiation at Harvard and entrepreneurship at Yale. You know, I have no idea how, how I get into these things. You know, if you, get, if you get asked real early in the process, you just sort of think, sure, you know, I love books, and I want to read a book and talk about it. And so, I, you know, a, a month ago, I wasn't quite as in touch with my anxiety about doing this, um, because my inner dialogue was also saying, Chris, you're going to be in a room full of very opinionated white environmentalist with master's degrees. <laughs> Is this really something you want to do? No. But they already put the picture out, so you got to do it. Um, Van Jones is the author of The Green Collar Economy, How One Solution Can Fix Our Two Biggest Problems. I don't know if you know anything about Van Jones. I met him here in Knoxville. He's from Jackson, Tennessee. And he came here, I believe, as a consultant for the Bernstein Commission. He's done, which ended up leading to PARC. He uh, has been in the forefront as the executive director of the Ella Baker Center, improving relationships between communities and police. And so he was here, actually, to, uh, to consult around that, that issue. Uh, always been a very strong advocate for uh, poor communities. He's from Jackson, Tennessee, went to UT Martin, I believe an amazing guy. I spent a little bit of time with him and he told me about some of his, uh, his work with, uh, around the globe with some of the Chinese activists and it was just an amazing experience. I'm going to tell you what the book is about and then I'm going to uh, try to provoke you into a conversation about it. All right? I remember, uh, what's, that, what's that TV program, uh, Dharma and Greg? And uh, Greg was going through some kind of process where he was trying to figure out his spiritual path. So he was reading all these sacred texts like the Upanishads and the Quran and, and different kinds of uh, sacred texts. And, he, and he, had, he had the Bible in his hand. And Dharma came in and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. And it's, it's like really big. And she goes, well, let me tell you what it's about. She's, Old Testament, watch out for God. New Testament, be nice to people. And, and, and that's it. So I was trying to think of uh, what's, a, what's a real superficial way of, of telling you what this book is about. What about environmentalism is racist? Would that play? Okay, well, let me, uh, let me take you through the book real quick. Um, and I'm just assuming nobody's read the book. I know you bought the book, you just didn't read it. He starts off with a reality check. 
this is a, a you, you can quarrel with this oversimplification of, of what I'm about to say he said. He says we're in a situation of stagflation. And stagflation is where unemployment is going up. In other words, the number of jobs are going way down and the price of goods are going way up. He said that the solution for the economy is simple, deliberately cut demand for energy and intelligently increase its supply. These two steps will bring supply and demand back into balance, stabilizing energy costs and eventually lowering them. When energy prices settle and come down, all prices settle and come down and we can begin to grow the economy again. But all of that is a lot easier said than done. Our economy is powered almost exclusively by fossil fuels, a non-renewable resource. That means the supplies are limited. So essentially, he's saying that we're stuck. We're going to have to actually recreate a new economy because the price of, of our energy is not going to go down. He actually says that you are in a breakup situation, okay? Meaning breaking up with your, your lover, fossil fuels. And, and Felicia, fossil fuels, has been way too expensive. Well, actually, she's a cheap date. No, excuse me. She's a cheap date, but she is, is actually ruining your life. So you are going to have to develop a whole other relationship, a healthy relationship, with a, a, another person, renewable resources or, or green. I guess we can call her Gloria. So the reality check is that we're in a situation where we are going to have to head in an entirely different direction. That's essentially what he's saying. Now, he's saying that there are two crises going on in our community. One is the one that I speak of, which is rampant environmental destruction. And the other is radical socioeconomic inequality. There is poverty that still exists in our communities. Now, I have a, a quote by a Harvard analyst, Nancy McCarty, 2009. And she's working with Andy Rittenhouse with the Salt and Light Guidebook. And she says, certainly the situation for black children in Knoxville is dire. As you probably saw from looking at the site, Knoxville ranked number nine out of the hundred largest metro areas for black child poverty as of 2000, but was only a few percentage points from the highest ranking metro. With poverty rates up since then, I think it's safe to say that close to half, 47% of black children in metro Knoxville are in poverty, and it likely continues to be among the highest ranking of large metros for that indicator. So Van Jones is saying that we have two uh, crises uh, happening right now in our community. He says that environmentalism has, has actually gone through three different stages. Conservation, which is conserving land. Regulation, which is saying no to certain kinds of emissions and then investment, which is where he says we are today. And investment kind of speaks to the first reality check is that we are going to have to build a new economy, a new economy that's more sustainable. He says in order to do this, though, we are going to have to create a community of support that reaches beyond just the environmentalists who have been really leading the charge early on and for the past uh, years. That this is going to have to be a community-wide effort. And so he begins to talk about if we're going to create a social uplift uh, environmentalism, we're going to have to operate with principles. 
And those principles, as he identifies, is equal protection for all. In other words, when we begin to think about um, our sustainable strategies, um, our environmental movement, we need to think about everybody, even our poor communities, especially our poor communities. If you're in a boat and somebody at the other end of the boat chooses, because that's their part of the boat, to punch a hole in the boat, that actually is going to impact you. So you can't really say, well, that's your part of the boat and you can do whatever the heck you want to do with your part of the boat. We're all in this together. So principle one, equal protection for all. Principle two, equal opportunity for all. We have to create opportunities for all people to get involved in this effort. Principle three, reverence for all creation. We're, we're building a new economy. There are two big issues which continue to plague us, environmental degradation and poverty. And he is saying, here's an opportunity for us to have a positive impact on both by collectively joining forces and creating a, a green growth alliance around green jobs together. So he's saying that this is a, a big opportunity. He's saying, but in order for us to really accomplish this, we're going to need to build a coalition of support. And he identifies labor, organized labor, social justice activists, environmentalists, students, and faith organizations as being people that need to collectively rally together around a common interest of green growth. Now, he did say that in his work, he has identified a kind of contention that he sees among, uh, you could say, inner city and suburban activists, or you could say even white and black activists. And, and that is that there is a, a kind of struggle between those people who focus on ecology and those people who focus on social justice. Those people who, who want to uh, focus on business solutions and those people who want to focus on political solutions. Those people who are thinking about spiritual change and interchange and those people who are saying it's about outer change. Now I've, I've experienced this in my own uh, work with Tribe One and in black communities that on some level you have white environmentalism here and you have inner city uh, oftentimes black activists here. And essentially that's what, what Van Jones is saying. And he was saying that, you know, I kept looking at this, this counterpoint, and the more I kept looking at it, the more I, I wanted to say, what if this versus was an and? Because really, it is true that both perspectives are really important. Ecology and social justice go together. Business solutions and political solutions go together. Spiritual change and social change go together. And in light of this, and building a coalition uh, around this, he said to himself, he's, well, he said in the book, he said, you know, I used to think of myself as David and confronting Goliath, which is speaking truth to power. And matter of fact, I, he, he actually told me this story. He said, you know, I used to grow my hair out, stand on a soapbox, wear a dashiki, and just try to scare white people. <laughs> and, just, and, just, and just cuss them out. Uh, maybe not literally cuss, but just, just educate them, you know, flip chart them. Let them understand deeply how wrong they are. 
And he, he said, I never really saw any change. But he said, it did make me feel good. And, and my base felt real comfortable that I was doing my work. But he said, in the long run, that was kind of a false narrative. He said, when it comes to building a green economy, we're actually not David and Goliath. We're, all, we're Noah. We're in the boat together. And so we have to figure out ways to bridge the gap of, of alliance, of understanding. I mean, on a very crass level, a lot of times environmentalists are not thinking about poor people. And on another level, a lot of times in our black communities, black communities are not really thinking about environmentalism. It's just not, it hasn't been on their radar. No, it has recently uh, become a movement, and it is on African-American uh, radar as it relates to discovering that a lot, of, a lot of factories get placed in their communities because they haven't really had a way to protect themselves or, or think about what, what they, they want for their community because the neighborhoods have been in such distress. Now they're, they're starting to think about that. And I forgot what the term is, uh, environmental racism? Eco-racism, Eco yeah. So he's saying, that, he's saying that we need to build an alliance that bridges both the, the black and the white divide. So how are we going to do this? This is, this is probably less about science and more about collectively learning how to organize and be in a family around a very key effort to build a, a green economy. How do we do this? Politics in keeping with Noah's principles would focus on creating something new rather than confronting something old. It would be more about proposition and less about opposition. As guideposts to creating that kind of politics, we could advance the following five points, call them the NOAA principles. One, fewer issues, more solutions. Two, fewer demands, more goals. Three, fewer targets, more partners. Four, less accusation, more confession. And five, less cheap patriotism, more deep patriotism. So at the core, he's providing us a charge to do something that I think is uh, very exciting, and that is to build a sustainable community, which we're all very interested in, and to attack poverty. And I think that actually can be done right here in Knoxville. And actually, there are people here who are very interested in that. So at its core, that's the book. Who all um, is uh, engaged in an effort for green jobs? Can you stand up and, and tell the group what, what kind of efforts that you're making in this direction? I'm Stan Johnson. I've worked with Chris for a while. He's a great speaker, by the way, so everybody give him applause. <laughs> well, I'm working with an organization now that I started uh, called SEED. It stands for Socially Equal Energy Efficient Development. What we do is we actually have the Van Jones model to actually take inner city youth as disadvantaged and actually show them how to refurbish houses. One of the biggest carbon emissions that comes out of our community is our, in our houses, and that's one of the places that we lose most of our energy. And it's been hard trying to just get off the ground uh, with people that don't understand the aspect of what's actually happening right now in our communities. And especially when we talk about echo elites is uh, actually how we phrase it, the, the aspect of what is 
racism in the in the uh, economic development portion of it. One thing that we always talk about is polar bears, and we also talk about ozone and things of that nature. But what and actually ends up happening is how does that affect the person on the street that's sitting there trying to feed his family? And how does that affect the mother that actually has having food in her house that's <coughs> uh, served on the table for her kids? So those things have to be addressed way before we actually start even talking about how do we even get together because people don't care about it. You know, who cares about the little old lady down the street that actually doesn't have anything? So those are some of the things that we work on. We actually plant gardens for people and help people actually learn how to feed themselves. That's what I'm doing. Thank you, uh, Councilman. Uh, most of the people I know in this room. My name is Umoja Abdullah High, and I didn't dress like this to scare you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the interesting comment that you um, Our organization is Project 2000, Inc., Project 2000 Incorporated. And some 20 years ago, in 1989, we developed a modality for educating residents of public housing about the environmental movement. We started recycling. And in Knoxville, uh, we were able to get 85% of the residents in public housing to recycle. After that, I got elected to the National Recycling Coalition Board of Directors. We took it to Washington, D.C. Uh, we took it to uh, Durham, North Carolina. And what people said was that, well, this is your home. You know, everybody knows you. You walk all the time. So 85% is reflective of you. And I appreciate that kind of comment, that compliment. However, when we went to Washington and when we went to Durham, we got 75% of the residents to recycle. So what we used was an adage that my grandmother and grandfather used to say, if you expect the best out of somebody, what you gonna get? Something. And that's what we expected, so that's what we did. For 20 years, we've been trying to do what this has been talking about. Here in Knoxville, in 1990, with uh, Commissioner Shouse, at that time he was city councilman, and other people who were involved in this, this room, uh, Ms. Madeline O'Hara, and I could name a lot of different people who worked with us, Bob Becker, a lot of people. We looked at Rule High School, and taking Rule High School, that had been sitting there for years empty, to take that school and manufacture something out of it. Either take the plastic, the PET, which is number one, or the HDPE, and make something out of it. So one of the things that happens, because when I first started, my beard was like stainless. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different now. So one of the things about living long enough, if you are consistent and stay with what you want to do, and for sure you trust in the most high, it will come back around to visit you. So I'm looking forward for us making Knoxville and this region the recycled capital of the world. And people coming here talking about what happens at UT, and what happens at Oak Ridge, and all this brain thrust we have here. We're going to find a solution to what happens to styrofoam. What do you do with all that styrofoam? We're going to solve that problem right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're going to manufacture and we're going to solve some of these problems with God's help. Thank you. Joshua and Carlos, would y'all be willing to uh, come up and, and give your, your insights about what young people on the street think about this green movement? Are they even aware of it? Or even just respond to what you've heard so far? Well, uh, my name is Josh Lucy, and uh, I'm going to respond to Chris's question. Actually, 
right now in my community, uh, the young people my age aren't very receptive to the idea right now. Uh, and I guess uh, that's mostly because um, they don't understand the importance. I myself, I find the importance because, you know, I, I get to hang around uh, cool people like Stan and Chris. And, uh, we actually sit down and we discuss the importance of these issues. Of course, those young people respond well to the job. Definitely. If they, right. Yes. Of course, like, who, who doesn't need a job these days? Like, um, Are a lot of the young people you know looking for jobs? Uh, everybody I know is looking for a job. Um, yeah. Carlos, thank you. My name is Carlos Penn, and uh, like I said, I work with Travis and Chris with all those clothes and stand. Uh, Bob, uh, I agree with what you said, uh, that, uh, People want to see the backyards clean up first before we even, even want to cross the street and know what's going on. And, uh, I mean, we're familiar with the littering, stop littering campaign and stuff like that. And uh, actually, I seen Sir Lord Green on TV last night in which they demonstrated to the kids about how one day of recycling can, uh, I think they had delivered 149 pounds of uh, plastic in one day yesterday. So we can find out what's going on and deliver the message to the youth. So uh, that's why I'm ready for it. Excellent. Thank you. Yes, I, I think one of the problems in selling the program is that it, it looks like just. Uh, and when you say selling the program, what program are you talking about? A move towards a green economy is that in the initial stages, it just looks like a way to sell more stuff to rich people. With they just put green on it, and and the, the other side of it is uh, forming a different production basis uh, doesn't get heard of it easily. So what do you think about what we're talking about in terms of combining the the, the effort of going toward a green economy and, and, and doing it in a way that includes poor people? Well, I, I think it's a tremendous opportunity to... you feel like it's doable? Uh, yes. Uh, it, it involves uh, training people to do the new skills, and the new skills, as he points out, are not really high-level skills. They're things like a crop gun and, and so forth. So uh, it's just a matter of uh, extending the opportunity uh, and it's not just about manufacturing fancy new gizmos with green on it. It's about giving people jobs to do the work and um, figuring out a way to finance it, uh, either through uh, assessments or taxes or you know, federal, federal law. Right. Hey, Ben. Tell us, tell us what you do. Um, I am the farm manager at Beardsley Community Farm. So what we do is, um, we're an urban demonstration farm and community garden. Our mission is to bring food back into Knoxville and the Southeast and Tennessee and make all of our food, not only in the United States, but in the Southeast and Tennessee, in Knoxville, in our backyards. And I was going to ask you a question, Chris. I have not read uh, Mr. Jones' book yet, but I do plan on it. I've seen some of his talks online. Um, does he have a place for food in his vision of the green economy because also talk about the leadership program. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool that's a really cool program. That's starting on June first. Um, 
Last year we had six uh, high school youth come and work on Beardsley, and they built and designed, implemented, and trained other volunteers on our butterfly garden. Which six youth from the inner city? Inner city youth, yeah. yeah. Um, all uh, low-cone, at-risk kids um, who were getting their hands dirty 45 hours a week, uh, growing food, giving food away, and then training uh, people in their community and people in the low-income neighborhoods around here to about growing their own food. And uh, we can talk more about that later on. But uh, yeah, I'd like to talk more about it. Where is Beardsley? It's directly behind Knoxville College. So make a left on Western, and you'll go through the Middlebrook Land and up the hill. Just over the hill, make a right on Reynolds. Okay. And we're in Malcolm Martin Park right there. Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to add, there's also a yeah, community garden being formed, uh, the, the Park Ridge Community Center as a community garden. It's, uh, we're in the process of putting it up at uh, Fifth and Hollow, and essentially <laughs> four by eight plots will be sold to the community. And, and people from here are yeah. offering input and support on that. Nice. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, Councilman, I, I just want to put in a plug for one of my fellow employees of the Lung Collection at the History Center. And that would be your fellow councilman, Bob Booker, who couldn't be here today. But Beardsley, I'm glad Beardsley Farm came up because Mechanicsville historically has a, a most wonderful uh, 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 place in, in agri thing, all things agriculture uh, because uh, in the early part of the 20th century, we came this close to getting George Washington Carver to run the Department of Agriculture of Knoxville College. We just couldn't get the, the, you know, the pieces of the contract down to get him to say yes. So, uh, yeah, just, just throwing that in there. Hi, I'm Madeline Rahara, Director of Community Development for the City of Knoxville. And there are a number of different initiatives that we're involved in that a tie-in with this topic today. Uh, one is through our housing department, our housing manager, Tim Demick, so everybody's hand down. He has really been, he and his staff have really been promoting affordable, well we do affordable housing, that's what we do with his department, but we've been promoting green affordable housing and through and as well as our nonprofit partners, our housing developers in this community. And as a result of that, the first seven lead old houses uh, were constructed in East Knoxville and um, on Chestnut Street. These are the first, aside from Al Gore's house in Nashville, these, these at the time were the only lead old houses in the state. I don't know if that's changed. Mm. Um, and so as a result of building that, the contractors, a lot of them were you know, local contractors, uh, East Knoxville contractors including, who were involved in that, uh, learn those techniques, learn what lead gold is and the different kinds of uh, practices that you have to follow in order to meet the lead standards, you know, which has to do with things like uh, how the, the land is graded so that essence have swales and, and the water gets you know, absorbed and not run, doesn't run off. Uh, things like the, um, uh, you know, the, pro the products that they use and lead, you're concerned about how you recycle the construction materials that you do have and the kinds of construction materials that you utilize. Anyway, a lot of different factors like that. So through, uh, in this case, CAC and 
Knox Housing Partnership and, and doing those houses that uh, we help fund the empowerment zone funds. Uh, not only do the residents have these, um, and some of these houses are still for sale, so I encourage people to find them, but not only will the residents, the owners have uh, a better house to live in, a safer house and a greener house. Also, we have uh, companies now and workers who understand these techniques and that's basically are doing green college jobs. Uh, we're also working in every house that we build ourselves, uh, the, um, or that we sub out, they have to be at least Energy Star compliant. And so Tim and his staff, some of you are here, have been working on these housing policies. And we're about to install our first uh, solar water heater in one of the houses that um, is, a, is a rehab of an owner-occupied home. We're looking at other kinds of certifications like this uh, for the different types of housing. So through this work, we are promoting green jobs. People are getting trained. Uh, also, there are a certain amount of dollars for skills development for job training in the community. We've put some empowerment zone funds, uh, the Partnership for Neighborhood Improvement, the Board of Directors there, uh, has allocated some of our easy funds for workforce training at both the Career Center on, um, at the Palisade Magnolia campus and through CAC Workforce Connections. Both of those are committed that if there are this training, like green job training, that people want to participate in, particularly easy residents, there are funds available to help those people, those individuals who want that training, to go to the training, to get tools and um, maybe gas cards to get to the classes and things like that. So we're actively promoting uh, green jobs, green job training for green jobs. And just finally, uh, a piece that one of our staff members is working on right now is that some of the people, some of the, uh, particularly our young people who may want to go into this training, but they, but they, um, they still need some other skills, like the pre-training skills that you need in order to get into some of these programs. We've been working with Palisade to develop some classes uh, that will uh, provide that uh, sort of the remedial training, you might say, that is needed in order to then be able to take the classes. So we're, um, we're still in the beginning of this, but I'm leaving that direction. <coughs> and any ideas and any support um, uh, for that, we are open to it. Madeline, you, you didn't see just a big water treatment code as well? Uh, yes, and Madeline, can you, do you understand, Tim? Do you know about the gray water? Um, really, it's, it's just that the, the buildings department has officially adopted a, a code that addresses gray water treatment systems so that they can be permitted in Knoxville. Pretty simple. Knoxville's getting a hit on some of these things. Have you had an open house of any of these places? We have had an open house for the Lee Gold Homes. Um, Knox Housing Partnership has had that. Um, yeah, and, and uh, if, you go, if you go to their website, there should be information. There's five houses in a row on Chestnut Street. They're beautiful homes. There's two more legal houses on Houston Street. And um, yeah, there's, I think, oh, here's Ken right there. Y'all talk to it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The uh, open house that's June 11. Oh. And then we're going to have an open house down at uh, Union Park uh, on June 11, Jackie, from 5:30. So.
I, I would hate for us to just leave this meeting and just go, oh, that was an interesting kind of idea to, you know, to, to solve, um, you know, have one solution you can fix to our two biggest problems. It is, is my question, and if anybody has, just a couple of people have a comment around uh, an answer to this, how could we create an alliance that would combine these, these two domains? Um, and, and, and is that just not going to happen? Are we going to, Knoxville, just going to uh, maintain our, our silos, or are we going to be able to, to, to work together? So you have, you have an idea. You have to show both parties that you're trying to get to come together that there's something in it for both of them. Okay. So in this case, it may be that, that we can all have a job, and then we can all you know, have a good income and pay our bills and be productive members of Society. Okay, that's that, those are good thoughts. Um, I used to work with, with the NRC back when Emoja was on the board, and um, the idea came up with um, the comment about how the poor aren't really interested in environmentalism, and there was a woman who was offended by that, and um, and she said, and. The NRC's focus it was recycling, but she said you know, the poor have always been adept at reusing things and, and trying to, uh, you know, not buy more than, than what they need. And, and uh, uh, I, I think that, that that could be adapted, um, you know, to uh, a, a wider spectrum, not just recycling, but, you know, air quality, water quality. You know, I know a lot of people who are bicycling now because of you know gas prices, and so you know just granted you know it's their wallet, but it's also it has a bigger impact. Good. I'm gonna let Emotion have the last word. Yeah, the uh, two I want to say something about Wayne too. Most people know Wayne's a developer, but Wayne was in the city, and he's one of the people who said that Project 2000 is was made for funding coming from city government. So. Sure not there anymore. Okay, <laughs> right, right. But what I wanted to say is that we can do this if we have the will to do it. And there are, the, the, the van has also, through the uh, uh, Green for All concept, there is a pledge that elected officials can sign, can read and sign and say, this is what I want our government to do. This is how I want to use some of our money. Did our mayor has signed that pledge? Okay, great. Now the money comes. Okay, all right. See, 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 that's what a problem. I mean, the, the unity and all of that, that's really good, but we need money. You know, so all of that is really good, you know, going to Mechanicsville or going to Lionsdale and all of that, but people need resources to develop these particular things. So that's what I'd like to see come out of here, that we sit down somewhere with a group of people to say, this is the budget, this is how much we're putting green jobs, we're going to ensure that that happens. So that's, that's what I really feel needs to happen. And also, there's a story about Noah. Uh, I read various religious books, and one is the Quran. And it said that Noah talked to the people a thousand years minus 50. He talked to the people 950 years to tell them to put God first, to enjoy the good and forbid the evil. And he got 83 people to listen.
That was Chris Woodhull discussing the green collar economy, how one solution can fix our two biggest problems by Van Jones. This program took place on May 13, 2009, and is the third in the Brown Bag Green Book program series featuring discussions of books about sustainability brought to you by Knox County Public Library and the City of Knoxville. To hear podcasts of other programs, visit the Knox County Public Library at www.knoxlib.org and follow the link to the Brown Bag Green Book webpage.